what's the best way to reduce? Eat plenty or starve yourself? Starve yourself? Wrong. A half-empty stomach causes hunger tantrums. Now with the RDX Full Stomach Reducing Plan, you fill your stomach, avoid hunger tantrums, lose excess weight naturally and fast. And safe, pleasant-tasting RDX tablets contain no dangerous drugs, no hormones. So if your doctor has told you to lose weight, get RDX at your drugstore now. <laughs> What does any of this have to do with the dangers of diet culture? Absolutely everything. The danger of diet culture is so much sneakier and deeper than just our relationship with food and our bodies. It's about trust. Diet culture has made us lose trust in our body signals, the exact body signals that took care of us as babies and helped us survive are the same signals we are told to ignore, deprive, push past, to have more willpower. Diet culture has made us lose trust in our ability to make decisions when it comes to food and exercise. We don't listen when we have hunger pains at 7 p.m. because you can't eat past a certain time. Or when we are injured, we still go out and work out because we can push past the pain and we have body goals. Diet culture has intervened and disrupted our relationship with our bodies and self. It has caused us to not trust what we feel in our bodies and instead trust the latest science around what healthy is. This is Dr. Aaron Nitschke. This is Dr. Darian Parker. This is Decoding Diet Culture. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Decoding Diet Culture. Remember, diet culture is this set of beliefs or, or practices that, that tend to worship this ideal, uh, something that's, that's really not achievable for 99% of the population. It's often how beauty is viewed. And today, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about things you can do instead of buying into the diet culture message. You will never not see diet culture. It's in Hollywood, it's in movies, it's in magazines, it's in all sorts of print and social media. It's likely never going to be eradicated. And fortunately, there are tools that, that we can use, tips that we can follow to start rejecting the messages that we're confronted with or that, that we come in contact with. We don't have to buy into them. And part of that is one, acknowledging that, yeah, diet culture is there and it's going to be there. But what is within my locus of control? What is within my power? And how do I make informed decisions as a consumer? Especially if you are not a nutrition professional and you're not a registered dietitian, or maybe even a health and exercise professional that might have a little bit more in-depth knowledge of nutrition and metabolism. So we've examined at this point lies of diet culture, red flags of, of diet culture messages, kind of that weight loss focus versus fat loss, and, and all of these different kind of arms of diet culture. But I want to share some tips that you can really sort of action items that, that you can apply and, and do in your everyday life to overcome the messages that you see in diet culture. 
So one of the first ones is learning to read food labels. And I'm not talking just looking at the nutrition facts panel. Okay, that's where you see calories per serving, fat calories, total fat, carbohydrates, protein, calcium, iron, all of these things. While that information is really important, it's, it's as important to pay attention to the ingredients of a product. So learning to read a food label is, is a really important tool because not all foods are created equal. And on the packaging, it might say gluten-free, or it might say reduced fat, or it might say all natural or something like that. That doesn't necessarily mean that the product itself has any nutritive value or is of a great benefit. Um, so reading food labels is, is really important. So start looking at the nutrition facts panel and looking at particularly look for things that are, um, if there's trans fats listed. So that's anything that says partially hydrogenated oil of any kind that is a trans fat. There is no established healthy limit of trans fats for us to consume. They are really the most dangerous type and should be avoided. So always look on the nutrition facts panel. It trans fat is listed as, as a category, but take it a step further and look at the ingredients. The other thing to look for on a food label is the number of calories per serving and what the serving size actually is. Are you getting the biggest bang for your buck? Is a serving size seven crackers and you're getting 300 calories worth of simple carbohydrate? Might be something to examine and choose a different product. The other thing I want you to encourage, I want to encourage you to look on a food label is added sugar. There are sugars that occur naturally in products, fruit, for example, naturally occurring sugars, lactose found in milk, naturally occurring sugar. However, it's the added sugars that tend to get us into trouble because it makes up so much of the American diet. So we really need to pay attention to how much is added sugar and how much of it is naturally occurring. The second action step you can take is evaluating for highly processed foods. So sometimes we can take the processed food conversation a little too far because really to some degree, every single product you consume is processed somehow from the apples that you eat. They're, they're picked from the orchard, they're treated, washed, and they're shipped. That is a process. Milk has to come from the cow through a processing and then jugged and sent. So all foods to some degree do have some sort of processing involved, but really looking at those foods that are really high in a number of ingredients and that really don't represent the food in its whole form. So looking at something like canned fruit in heavy syrup, we can really classify that as pretty heavily processed because it is, it is in syrup and it's, it's not naturally sweetened. It's sweetened above and beyond what exists in the can in the fruit itself. Things like baked goods. There's a lot of really odd ingredients in there. And when I talk to my clients about this, I talk to them about, okay, what is a, what's a recipe you've, you've made cookies before. What does that recipe look like? There's like five ingredients. When you go to a bakery, like at a local Kroger's, Safeway, Walmart, whatever, whatever in your, your area, 
and you pick up the baked good and you look at the ingredients. That list goes on and on and on and on. It's got a lot of preservatives. It's probably got a whole lot more sugar than you would add at home, those types of things. So, so looking at the number of ingredients can be a very big clue. So look for things with minimal ingredients and try to avoid as much as you can so that it doesn't make up the bulk of your diet. Is it fine to have a handful of goldfish here and there or a handful of cheeses? Of course it is. But the point is, is we just don't want that to be the bulk of somebody's intake. The third action step is looking at energy versus nutrients. How many calories are in this food versus what's the nutrients? Am I getting fiber? Am I getting unsaturated fat, particularly omega-3 fatty acids? The American diet has a big imbalance between omega-6 and, and omega-3. So looking for those monounsaturated, those heart healthy fats is, is a really important thing. And then protein, protein gives us staying power as does fiber. So what is contained within the number of calories? Is it, is a lot of nutrients or is it just a lot of calories? So those are the first three action steps you can take. The second set of action steps is moderation. So that's, that's the first one I want to, I want to focus on of this second set moderation. So I'm, I'm of the mindset, and this is what I try to work with my clients on when I coach them is that everything can belong in a diet as long as it's done in balance. So I don't come at it from the perspective of what can you take away? It's what can you add? And if, if, cocktails are something that, that you enjoy. How does that fit into your balanced lifestyle versus it being an everyday thing? Same thing with dessert, same thing with pizza and burgers and things like that. Let's, let's look at moderation and how we can still consume the foods we enjoy that bring us joy, that are maybe the center of our table at celebrations and, and still keep it in balance so that it doesn't, doesn't become this overwhelming consumption of things that don't fuel our bodies appropriately or enough for the activity we are asking it to do. The fifth action step is to look for ways you can naturally sweeten foods, especially if you take the observation that your diet is super high in sugar, additional sugar, how can we bring that more into balance? And so maybe it is looking at a way to naturally sweeten a food with things like mashed banana in baked goods or uh, applesauce, unsweetened applesauce. Is there some way that, that you can identify how you can make that change is another action step. The next one I think is really important because diet culture seems to want to say that if you follow these messages, you will be healthy. But the thing that it, that, that culture overlooks is what is the definition of healthy? That definition, just like the definition of wellness looks very, very different for some people. And I've had clients who define healthy as simply like deriving personal satisfaction from their job, having energy to play with their kids and sleeping well at night. Someone else's definition of healthy might be having a cholesterol level below a certain threshold because maybe they are predisposed to high cholesterol in their family. It all depends. And so instead of letting diet culture dictate or 
erroneously define what healthy is, you define what healthy means to you. What does it look like and how do you know when you've achieved that level? The next action step is changing your lexicon of, of verbiage that you use related to food. And this goes back to an earlier issue that I pointed out with diet culture, and that's the dichotomous thinking, the black and white, the good and bad, the red, yellow, green. Foods don't belong in some sort of moral category. So how can you change the language that you use when you think about that? Instead of trying to categorize food is good or bad, maybe we start looking at it as what these nutrients are that, that this food can provide for me. Is it nutrient rich? Is it energy rich? Is it both? Foods can be both. Nuts, natural nut butters, those are energy dense because they're a healthy fat, but they're also very nutrient dense as well. And that's important. So instead of focusing on this food is good for me or bad for me, focus on what that, what you're getting from that food and joy is a part of that too. That's also one of the most important things is if, if you don't enjoy it, don't eat it because you're, you're going to be resentful of it. So focus on changing the language that you use to talk about food and nutrition. The last action step that I want to share with you today is redefine progress. So diet culture likes to define progress as weight loss and before and after pictures. It, it doesn't acknowledge things like better mood, greater cognitive focus, more positive outlook, sleep fitness, or energy levels. Diet culture is very much packaged in this, what does the scale say? And we've then been conditioned to think again in a dichotomous way that weight loss is good and weight gain is bad. And with the before and after pictures, we're not allowed to change is what that underlying message of diet culture is, is that we're not allowed to evolve. Bodies aren't allowed to change. We should look the same as we did in high school or college or whatever season of life you're in should look the same as a season of life that, that was 20, 25 years ago. So redefining the way that you will measure your progress and, and hopefully kind of putting the scale aside because so much of it is, is not reliable. It's not a reliable indicator of where we're at health-wise, met metabolism-wise, energy-wise. So I want, I want to encourage you to, to redefine that progress. Maybe it looks like a better response to stress. Maybe it looks like feeling more encouraged to go out and be social because you feel more confident and you have more energy. Maybe it's if you're, if prior to making changes, you were sleeping six hours a night and now you're up to eight, that is a measure of progress. And it's something that also affects your definition of health. Instead of focusing on these sort of metrics, what we would, what we would refer to in the fitness center or in the fitness industry as metrics is like the weight, the numbers, the percentages, the, where you fall on a table of norms, all of that focus on how you define progress and make that what you measure each step forward by. 
So all of those are some action steps that you can take to start looking at diet culture as just noise. It's noise. It's over there in the corner. You acknowledge it because it's there. It's, it's like anything in life. It's like things that, that it's out of your control. You won't change it, but you can change the way you interact with it. And so it doesn't become this loud voice in your mind. And then it doesn't influence you in such a way that becomes demotivating and discouraging and, and makes you kind of fall off track because it's this, this crazy ideal that no one really ever lives up to. And if they do, it's for a very limited amount of time because it isn't sustainable. It's so hard on the body. It's so hard on the mind. So start taking some of these action steps and look at it from the perspective of, okay, what can I control? What can I do that is within my power to do versus trying to fight these overt messages that scroll through your feed? And in an earlier episode, I talked about doing a cleanse, not a juice cleanse, not a pantry cleanse, but a social media cleanse. Going through your social media feeds on whatever platforms you subscribe to, And when you come across a message that kind of doesn't sit well with you in your gut, unfollow, get it out of your feed. So then it doesn't become this influential in a negative way, this influential force in your life. Start setting those aside and just getting rid of them. So those are action steps you can take today and over time. And I hope that there are other action steps that you can identify once you start looking at it from the perspective of what is it that I can control and what do I need to feel my best versus listening to these diet culture messages and kind of letting them control the mindset or allowing them to continue to control the mindset. I hope this has been helpful and we will see you next time on another episode of Decoding Diet Culture. Gorgeous gaming, stunning streams, unbelievable bandwidth. It's another Lifestyles of Gagillionaires. Meet the AT&T Fiber customers winning at life with hyper gig speeds. Meet Gagillionaire Terry. While his love of streaming horror movies has him constantly on the edge of his seat, his internet bill won't give him a scare. Oh, don't go in there. I'm telling you. Because since Terry upgraded to AT&T Fiber with hyper gig speeds, he doesn't worry about data caps or equipment fees. Come on, man. The door's open for a reason. And best yet, he also doesn't stress about a price increase at 12 months. Because with the amazing Gagillionaire lifestyle comes an exquisite sense of tranquility. (laughs) Most of the time. Live like a Gagillionaire. Get straightforward pricing with AT&T Fiber. Internet that upgrades everything. No data caps, no equipment fees, and no price increase at 12 months. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.